Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys Podcast, where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you our over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today, we've got a very exciting guest. We have Drew Brenneman, founder of Brenneman Cap- Capital, and his Chicago-focused real estate investment firm has under, excuse me, just over $200 million worth of assets in its management portfolio. We are very excited to talk to him. We're talking big numbers, and this is a guy that's done it very humbly, and uh, very he's very wise and done it very smart. So yeah, we're he's, excited to have him on. He's normally, this is the kind of guy who you don't normally get to, to learn from because he does it with his head down. He keeps, uh, he, he just goes out there and he, he works his work. He's not uh, out there Grant Cardone on, on stage like we talked about for the podcast, screaming and shouting <laughs> that he has all the answers. Instead, he's busy making money and was kind enough to let us peel back the curtain on what he does and share with you guys. So hopefully uh, our guests can, can pick up a lot, including us. We want to learn today because totally. that portfolio, it's unbelievably impressive. It's over $200 million worth of real estate, and he started it all himself. So, welcome, Drew. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, the uh, yeah, you're right. I really had never done uh, any piece of promotion, except I, I did do. I did end up on uh, a home and garden channel spot uh, that I I didn't. Uh, I was going to pass on, but I kind of fell into it. Uh, but I never did anything where I you know talked for more than two seconds and anything till uh, about a year ago, I started my own podcast. And if you want to see some, uh, uh, some really rough, uh, podcasting, go to episode one where I'm like mumbling and stumbling. <laughs> well, we can, um, we can relate to that, Drew. Uh, we, uh, you know, Scotty and I, you know, we kind of got our start. We, you know, spoke at a lot of, uh, real estate, you know, functions and seminars and stuff, primarily on the West coast. And we were very comfortable talking in front of rooms of people. And when we started this podcast, we'd walk away from the set like, what the heck was It that? was full body dry heaves. <laughs> we couldn't believe how bad we were at something that we should have been just perfectly comfortable with. So we, we feel you there. So what's the name of your it's podcast? Hard. Are you still doing epi- a lot of episodes? Yeah, I'm putting out one a week. It's called the Brenneman Blueprint. Okay. It's a real estate investing podcast as well. I've listened uh, to that. Oh, maybe it's because Bennett sent it to me. Uh, uh, our producer okay, perfect to me yeah yeah well yeah but i i don't you know i don't have a private jet or any uh multiple homes <laughs> yeah. on the coast here to stand on top of screaming so uh yeah not not doing it the grand cardone style but yeah that um you know really just kind of if you want to know how i got started everybody please um you know until two years ago i just had two investors the whole time where almost all that property was bought just with uh, working with two different investors, but kind of just from the beginning, yeah, my parents were both teachers. I'm from the Milwaukee area, went to, you know, high school there, uh, went to college at UW-Madison they have a real estate program there. So I majored in that. And while, when I was in high school, I started a, like a side hustle, really just reselling items in video games that people were playing at the time. And it, you know, I didn't make a lot of money on any one transaction. It was like five or $10 per time, but I literally did thousands of transactions. I just recently moved from uh, Chicago to Austin, uh, Texas. And when I was moving, I was just going through some stuff and I still have the notebooks from when I made deliveries where I'd write down the, the, the order on a line. And then once I delivered it, I'd cross it out. And I, I swear I have two entire notebooks. So whatever those are 80 pages, double-sided where every line is full of something and then crossed out. It's like crazy to look at. Um, 
so I kept it like that'll be my little memento that's really um, neat Clint and I talk about it all the time on the podcast how the successful people like you that we come across and are privileged enough to sit down with an interview one of the things they seem to have in common is that they just go do things they just go action creates action and I see that I see that too and I saw that I actually even some of the people I had early on in my podcast were more like you know friends or buddies that were doing similar stuff to me and I never knew their whole stories and it's all kind of the same thing where right instead of going in like whatever high schoolers normally do I'd come home from school I made my deliveries I'm, I'd repost my auctions on eBay I'd eat dinner I'd do my homework I'd go to bed rinse and repeat you know just doing that but I liked uh I liked making the money. I liked um, saving that up. And then I started learning about investing. So as a teenager, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and started looking at what I could invest in. I read Intelligent Investor, Think and Grow Rich, all these different books, started investing in the stock market and mutual funds and trading options, all these sort of things people probably do when they're like 40. I was doing really young and I, I really, really liked what I saw in real estate. I was reading a book about investing in real estate was this for total beginners was perfect for me where they are breaking down how you make money in real estate where there's cash flow you pay the loan down the building goes up in value that's called appreciation and then you get tax breaks and it's not correlated with uh with you know stocks or bonds or not highly has a low correlation to those um and the light bulb just really went off for me when they were talking about appreciation so they had an example was you buy a duplex say it goes up 3% a year on average. And if you put 10% down, uh, the 3% appreciation is a 30% return on that, on the equity you put in. And then the light bulb really went off for me at that point where I'm like, wow, 30%, what kind of thing has a return potentially like that? And I mean, every year is different. And, you know, I was reading that book in 2000, too so then you know probably since you know whatever the the author was born until then uh, homes had gone up every year three percent but let, let me just peel back just because you went over it really fast and i think this is an important point for people to understand he's talking about the power of basically leverage and and he's talking conservative numbers he mentioned 30 percent, meaning he that, that you've, you've leveraged 70 percent with the bank which in real estate is pretty conservative and your 30 what other investment out there can you put 30 percent of your money to buy it and a bank will give you the other 70 percent for you to buy it and that becomes the power of real estate is you're leveraging your money and if it's done conservatively um it, it can be uh, quite quite safe as long as you're you're conservative with those things and then it's it's a multiplier for things like appreciation um, because you're getting appreciation on the whole hundred percent, even though 30% of it is out of your pocket. So you put up 30%, but you capture 100% of the appreciation. If that helps make sense of, of kind of what he touched on. Yeah. And then it just gets better and better as you learn how this all works, where you get a hundred percent of the tax deduction for your interest and you get to depreciate a hundred percent of the property improvements. And that if you're just starting out, you don't need to know any of that, but like, as you get going, like there's also, you're, you're actually leveraging the tax benefits too, and you get all the cash flow. Um, but yeah, so started out, I, you know, I was saved all the money, um, from that, uh, internet, uh, side hustle. And then I, uh, was going to UW-Madison no matter what. If you're from Wisconsin, you like the Badgers and you like in-state tuition. So if you can get in there, uh, that's right. where you go. And so I uh, went there and uh, bought a duplex my freshman year of college and oh, moved wow. into it. 
for my sophomore year. And um, one thing too, because you're talking about sort of just putting in the work and sort of another thing that never dawned on me. So I want to mention it uh, was someone asked, how did you convince the realtor to like uh, take you seriously? And what's interesting is I never, I swear, I never thought that my entire life until they asked me like a month ago where, well, they not take me seriously. I have the money. I want to buy the property. Like what? There's no, you do, there's no other piece you need. Right. You know, no, so a lot we, of people, they overanalyze right. it and think they're, or get insecure about it. Like, why would they ever yeah. uh, listen to a teenager? I didn't even own a car. I, I had a moped to get around. Um, there's no parking in Madison anywhere yeah. basically. So, but I didn't, and then never crossed my mind as like a deter, as a deterrent. We we run with a couple of um, you know multimillionaires, liquid multimillionaires. Who if we go into a Bob Evans with them, multimillionaires is putting it lightly. Yeah, they're very wealthy. But we go into a Bob Evans with them. You're worried that the the hostess is going to not want to seat you because they're worried that they can't pay their bill. They look, you know, they got holes in their jeans and stains on their shirts. So you know, I, I mean, it's not all about image. It's about confidence in what you're doing, or not even confidence. Just go do it. You, you don't yeah have you have you no, no, ever we read talk, a millionaire we talk, we talk about that all ahead, the time ahead. you know it's about about just doing it i am i am impressed with someone doing it as early as college because i didn't have my priorities together whenever you know i was in college i wasn't looking to to buy a duplex you jumped on it that. real quick after right that. afterwards right afterwards but and yeah uh, the millionaire next door yeah yeah, yeah. You, what do you guys remember what the most common vehicle the millionaires drove accord that, wasn't it a honda accord it's actually i think it was a ford f-150 okay so just yeah. you know yeah, equally as yeah. flashy mm-hmm. right yeah so that's you know that always stuck with me and that's all actually a yeah. book i listened to in high school as well uh just on the way to baseball practice that and carlton sheets no money down so um well i drive a never- 1990 jeep wrangler and he drives a 1994 five 1995 yeah. tahoe so yeah, we, um, we, we try to embody that, that book. Yeah. I'm still, and I, I still have never bought a new car, yeah. um, where basically everyone else I know has where I, I, you know, three years old, uh, used is where you want to get it once it drops in half. So, right. um, somebody with know, $200 million I've, worth of real estate talking about his used cars. I love it. And it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, I went, uh, yeah, I had back to back Pontiacs, then a Honda, and then I finally bought a BMW, but I bought it three years old. So instead of it being 70,000, it was 35,000. And I traded in my Honda and wrote a check for the difference. Like, yeah, that's how you want to buy a car. I mean, that's, you know, um, and so, yeah, that, so bought my first property. And then that's when I was on the home and garden channel, uh, to kind of bring that full circle where they, they home and garden went to all like the local brokerages and said, do you have any interesting clients? We're doing a show not about real estate investing, but just what you get for your money in different markets. And we're going to be in Madison. Uh, so we need a quarter million dollar house, a half million dollar house, et cetera. And I was the quarter million dollar house. So how cool. But And yeah, so then that, but so then for the next, yeah, to your point before though, for the next 15 years, I didn't, the only media I did was when they just wrote an article about a building we bought. Yeah. You know, as they call you and say, what, what, what happened? And it's like, here's the deal. We bought it. This is this and this, and that was it. Well, that's part of what was um, so exciting about having you on that Clint and I talked about. It's, it's rare that we're able to get on somebody who's kind of a behind the scenes, making tons of money, investing in real estate. You know, there's a lot of folks out there like you, not a lot, but who, you know, they're not into the media part there. And so it's, I feel like it's unique that we were able to get you on the show, um, to be able to share your expertise because 
because you're a grindstone guy. You go out and you work, you hustle, and you you make your money. So uh, we appreciate yeah. you having you on. And I want to get into your portfolio. Like I said, I was on I was on your site a little bit yesterday and today, and you know I saw some you know relatively large you know multifamily. I saw some um, you know strip mall type um, investments. Uh, seemed like a pretty pretty diverse uh, portfolio. Seemed like it when I think it's all Class A stuff. In, in my opinion, is what it looked like. But get us into like how you got in to some of that because I think you know we, we we're, we're dogging on Grant Cardone here, but but you know part of what uh, I think makes his message sexy and and brings people in is you know he's got these giant. Um, you know, multifamily, you know, projects that he's standing in front of or, you know, whatever commercial project he's doing. And, you know, I think a lot of people are like, my gosh, how can I get, how can I get into that? And, you know, first of all, kudos to you for not, do, you know, doing it that way. But like, so how did you, how did you get into that and, you know, grow from zero to 200 million? Yeah, just baby stepping it up one deal uh, after uh, another, just uh, stepping into larger ones and even, What's funny, Grant Cardone, if I think one time I looked at his like track record, what he bought and his first deal he ever did, it was like a single family house in San Diego is what was on that list. So like, oh, cool. um, but yeah, for me, so I bought that duplex. Then the next year I bought another one. The next year I bought a three unit. The next year I bought a three unit. Uh, th that was all this, that was all with my own money. Uh, just taking money from the prior deal, rolling it into the next one, either selling or, um, refinancing money out or uh cross collateralizing them in time altogether um which you know there's pros and cons to doing something like that but i want you know i wanted to get into the next deal and i i never thought about raising money uh, but then fast forward a couple years later to start answering your question i had moved to minnesota to work full-time for an apartment developer i had already invested all my own money i felt like so then i wanted to learn from these other bigger companies and actually one of my coworkers, a guy who was interning there he saw what I was doing. And so to, um, like, how did I, how do you get into bigger deals? Well, I would say like, start doing smaller ones is what I did. And that sounds like overly simplified. But then when that guy saw, Hey, look, he, I bought four properties on my own. Here's this activity. You know, the, the father and son I partnered with, um, in 2009 to buy, we bought about a hundred million dollars of property, the three, the three of us, um, he, the son, he went to college at UW Madison too, majored in real estate, was working at the same place. Like he had exposure to a lot of people who invested in real estate, but I was one of the few who was actually doing deals. And then, so who would you want to talk to with your father about partnering up and buying stuff? It, it was me. So he said, well, I'm going to go talk to my dad. I don't like to waste time. I was like, great, let's go over there tomorrow. Whenever we can see him, I printed out a bunch of deals, the potential ones, a shopping center, a broken condo deal, an apartment building, a duplex. I had no idea what they wanted to invest in. And they really liked the shopping center. Uh, if, and if you're on our website, it's the 1015 Lake street West deal in Minneapolis. Um, they really liked that deal. And, uh, and I had moved to the twin cities if I didn't mention that. So we're all living in Minnesota. And then, we we bought that property together and then over the next 10 years we bought you know 30 or so deals together um and it wasn't like he just the dad and you know to buy 100 million most people probably think you put you know 30 million down or something it was he had invested you know as a millions but it was less than 10 million it was really more we bought the one property you raise the rents you raise the income you refinance out some of the money and then because the new income is higher and supports it you buy another or you think maybe that property it's a weaker one let's sell it 
then you roll all the money into the next one. So like a good example is like the third deal we bought was an office building. We bought that for 4.4 million. Then we sold it a few years later for five and a half, turned, rolled that up into a $7 million shopping center, sold that for eight something. And then we took all that money and then rolled it into two uh, bigger shopping centers in Minnesota for that were 18 million together. Yeah. It's interesting. On- the value add it's um, that, that you just explained it's, it's, it's much more proportional in commercial real estate than, than typical residential real estate. Residential real estate's typically tied to its appraised value, what it can sell for. But you know, with commercial real estate, um, the ability to roll, once you get into it, it's a, your ability to roll that and keep it moving by value add to a property increases. If you increase the rents, the value of the property increases proportionally to those rents. And so it makes... It makes growing once you're in the door in, in commercial real estate much more achievable than I think the typical person understands, which I think is your point. It didn't take a ton yeah, at the beginning. And that works the same way with multifamily apartments as well. Once you get over, let's say, five units and there's not any goofy rules with like the number of loans you have or anything where they, they look primarily at the property. Uh, does it support the loan and have a cushion there where they want to have a you know, 20, 25% extra income, uh, compared to what the loan payment is. So, you know, 120, 125 debt covers the fancy term for that, but they, um, but so, yeah, then, and what's interesting, you know, that was over a long period of time, that example with the office building into shopping centers, you know, that was, we bought the first property in 2009 and then the last two in 2019. So, you know, it's not like that sounds quick, you know, on a podcast, but that's, you know, we're 14 years into that deal now. So, uh, like, and that's how I think you, you know, for, for people listening, that's how you build wealth and make money in real estate. You know, a lot of people, they go on LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever, and people are posting about 40 IRR returns and an 18 month hold and all this stuff. But, you know, uh, if you think about how some of these families in these big cities or, you know, and in Indianapolis, how they made money in real estate. It wasn't that they bought things for a year. They bought properties in the really nice areas and just sat on them. You know, yeah, it I, drives Clint oh. crazy, you know, especially Clint, Clint, if we get on this topic, Clint will go for hours, the power of time in real estate, you know, and, and the way people look at real estate as a get rich quick. That's just not what real estate, if, if you look at the hard numbers, that's not real estate's strength. Real estate strength is about building wealth, um, using the power of time and holding it, you know, and, and using cash flow to your advantage. Uh, we saw we saw we're flipping, you know, real estate, you know, it's been sexy for, you know, at least the last, you know, several decades where, you know, flip this house and all this, you know, these shows that, you know, um, in California that they're showing that they bought a house and then they turned it and made a $400,000 profit and all this stuff. Well, that's not really reality. I mean, maybe that happens from time to time in California places, but you know, here in the Midwest, that's just something that simply doesn't happen. And, you know, I used to flip some properties early in my career and, you know, I look back on that and just the massive mistakes that were made by flipping and not just simply setting on them, like you said, um, you know, and, and I've, I've moved a lot. Um, I'm in my 13th home since 2001. And, you know, for a big part of my career, if I could make a buck on my personal residence, I always would. But I look back on those 13 homes and thinking, oh, my gosh. Why didn't you turn you them know, into rentals? Why didn't I keep them all? Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, the short gain, you know, the small gain 
you know, that I got whenever I sold, I mean, then the massive profit that I gave up by not holding them. So I, I'm with you 100% on, you know, setting on them. Yeah. One of my top tips, if somebody's like, what's a tip for, not for a new investor, cause this is, you need to have properties already that you've made money on, but it's, it's don't take your chips off the table where, you know, I've sold, you know, maybe a quarter of the deals I bought. And then maybe half of those we've done 1031 exchanges into the next deal. The other half we haven't where I've thought, oh, I'll just take the money, uh, you know, pay the tax. Um, even though if you guys do this, uh, you know, if you have a lot of properties, there's no tax to pay because you have so much, uh, so many losses from the depreciation that you don't, the, you still, you still, you're not, you're not paying a lot of tax. Um, but, I think, okay, I'll, there'll be another deal around the corner. And then a quick, a year goes by and, and you didn't see a suitable deal. And then you go, okay, you know, throw that money in the stock market. And then, you know, then you, you know, you lose a little bit and then it's like, you know, you should have just almost not sold then if that's what you're going to do. So, right. um, cause that's, that's happened to me a couple of times. One of the deals I bought in Madison, I did that. I sold it pretty quick, uh, where I made it like a hundred grand on it. So not, not a small amount of money, but the other one that was a similar size and at the time a worse deal, I kept for 10 years total. And on that one, I made like, uh, almost a million dollars on total from cash flow and, uh, uh, loan, loan pay down and appreciation, everything. Time, so, time is the only different factor yeah. in those two deals. Time, the power of time. It's amazing. That's why you, you are a long-term cash flow investor. We're a long-term cash flow investor. And most people who get into real estate for the flash of flipping and, and those things end up learning the hard way and end up, the smart ones end up becoming cash flow investors, you know, that the success. Yeah. And yeah. Something else too, I think about is, uh, if you have investors, the math would maybe be different, but if you just buy like a, let's say a, you buy a $1 million rental property, you, you put your down payment down. I, I think like, okay, I will make a, I'll make $2 million on this, uh, I guess minus my down payment. So 2 million, let's say minus whatever I put in. If I just hold this thing for 25 or 30 years, it's going to for sure double by then and I'll pay it off. Yeah. That's almost like my worst case. The there's, tenant, there's no cash. Let's yeah. The tenant yeah, paid it off for you. You captured all of that appreciation. You, you're, you're, you're getting it from all angles. You're just got all this money coming from all angles. If you let the property work and keep your paws off of it, you know? Right. So, and that's almost like your worst case in a way that's, I assume no cash flow, and, uh, you know, and we never did any cash out refis and bought another one or we didn't, you just, you just ran it and it, you know, broke even, which it, they, they always do better than that. But um, so I always, I'm kind of simple sometimes in my own head where it's like, okay. Um, but, but yeah, so just in terms of, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of to bring us to today, you know, so we bought all those properties in Minnesota and then somewhere along the lines that moved to Chicago, we started doing apartment deals in Chicago. A lot of the ones you saw on the website and those all followed the same sort of profile. They were existing properties in for Chicago. Those are more probably like class B let's call it deals where they're not brand new, like the real like sexy towers or anything these are like six to 16 unit properties that were built you know either in, in 1900 and then renovated in the 2000s or built around the condo boom in 2006 2008 and then we were buying properties that they didn't need any renovation usually we've done a couple renovation deals but actually the value add was just all operationally where we see these three bedrooms renting for $2,200, which for that part, the part of Chicago I was looking in, they should be going for 2850 or 3000. 
And the only reason they rented so cheaply is it was like a, it's like a bank owned property or the developer built it and then rented them all out around the holidays and the new year. And then we know we can buy it on these low rents. And then the following summer, you know, get all the leases to end in the summertime when rents are at the highest and then re-rent it. So and it, then was that your it. play overall undervalued assets basically in yeah, Chicago? We did that time. for, I'd have to count it up, but I think it was for 13 deals in a row. We did that. And on every deal we refinanced out a hundred percent or more on average of the equity we put in. So when you talk so, about raising the, the rents on it, were you doing all of the ongoing property management of it as well? For a, uh, for a while we were doing it just me and my, my friend, but, um, once we got to, I think our fifth deal, we started hiring it out where we found a local property management company where I think that, you know, a third party manager is, I don't think usually is not as good as most owners would be, um, or at least not as good as I think I, as well as I could manage it. Uh, I have said that to some property management companies that I know, and they're like, no, you don't know all the owners. A lot of them, this, uh, <laughs> they're, you know, it's a big improvement having us do it, it but is. they were really great. They were really great at leasing. Uh, both the companies we've used in Chicago and that's what we focused on the most where obviously they can't be horrible at any aspects, but, uh, I picked actually pretty much the number one thing was leasing. Cause if you can get the same rents as us, then we can get the property to the same place value wise. And then, uh, and then, you know, kind of maintain the expenses from the, the computer, so to speak, where we would be real hands-on with property tax appeals or getting our insurance right, or the, if the utilities look out of whack or contract services, you know, fixing that, but getting out of the day-to-day, so. Yeah, property management, I mean, it's a, it's a very labor-intense, um, you know, world, but I mean, it's also like the most crucial to making your investment go full circle, so. You know, it's Scotty and I. We own we own one of the largest property management companies in Indiana. Um, you know, and it's taken systems over years to be able to build that. But you know, I do understand why you would say, you know, that you can do it better than other property management you know companies. I mean, there's a lot of bad property management companies out there. A lot of bad know? owners well, too who don't know how to do it right, and, and so property management's better for those. But but if somebody's hands-on and knows what they're doing, yeah, they can probably do it better than a property manager because they'll spend all the time, you know, beyond what a property management company could could do. But I think one of the important parts of this is is the fact that it can, you can do it either way. There's property management yeah. companies that will do it for you, and you can do it yourself. So, you know, no excuses there. Just because if, if you don't want to be a property manager or be involved in being a landlord— you can sub that out. Even professionals like Clint and I and yourself, you know, we sub out our Florida properties to a property manager if, you know, over distance. Right. We don't manage them ourselves. So there's options for both that can work for any size portfolio, even a two hundred million dollar portfolio like yours. You know, it's it, Yeah, and we yeah, we've done it every which every which way where we've managed them ourselves. We've managed them where one of the partners in the deal has their own management company. They manage it or just full third party. Um so yeah, that's 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 right. So So what's next for you then? Well, that whole time, you know, buying all those deals and working with just that one family and then um Eventually, I met another family where it was the same scenario, where it was a fa- it was a son-in-law and a father-in-law, and then same deal though, where they had no investment real estate, and they saw what I had done the last you know fifteen years at that point, and and wanted to get in and partner, and then we bought um the the three of us on that uh, venture, you know, bought a hundred million together as well. Um, 
and then that was all across chicago and then in phoenix as well with that family and that's and then the whole time though i'm doing both of the working with both those families i have people that want to you know are approaching me wanting to invest uh you know and uh, let's say a normal amount of money where they're not putting in a, a couple million but they could invest fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or something like that but i wasn't we weren't set up to take the investment money and have it be a good experience for them so we didn't have any quarterly reporting uh because we didn't need it it's like the for those investors they're really more like a partner uh that we had in all those initial deals and then actually both of them their daughters are do our bookkeeping hmm. and uh pay the bills because they saw this looks a lot better than what i'm doing for my job so in both um with both uh you know scenarios with the father and son son-in-law and everybody they're the investor's daughter uh and both still yeah um they're little the family the businesses books. then just yeah so no businesses. i mean yeah they like what they see and then they start investing money and then the you know, stuff goes into you know different you know trust funds for all them and whatnot and then it's also kind of their money too and um but so anyway so i wanted to make a, a bit of a pivot you know in like 2021 and then that's kind of also when i started my podcast to you know trying to have some sort of educational and um you know promotional type stuff out there but to to start taking uh, to start investing in more than just the midwest where you know we did really good deals in the midwest where on the deals we sold our average irr is at 25 percent, and then um we have we have all those deals where we refinanced out all the money and so we did really well but it's it's you know funny in a way almost where in phoenix or in texas or in florida like you maybe could have bought almost any deal and and would have done as well and so um I figured, all right, I'd invested in the Midwest for 15 or so years. Let's say for the next 15 and beyond, I'm going to, you know, follow the trends versus, uh, you know, fight them a little bit. You know, uh, Chicago has a lot of positives where um, nobody talks about where the cap rates are higher. So you can finance, you can get a higher loan to value there than in other places. It's the same dynamic in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, it's a nice thing about it where you get paid you more cash flow day one than some of these growth markets where you're banking on appreciation um but i wanted a piece of the the sun belt and so the last uh five deals i bought have all been in phoenix and then i moved uh i moved to texas uh, a month ago so i've now officially a texan so we're ready to get rolling in texas and you don't uh, sound like a texan you gotta work on that no i know i was asking my sister how do you spell y'all like is there an h in it or what side is this you know i actually typed this out <laughs> so because um yeah, I don't want to don't want to sound like a weirdo saying <laughs> you all down here, you know. So uh, how so in Phoenix was was the type of investment similar to what you were doing in Chicago and Minnesota? Yeah, same profile uh, in terms of multifamily. One one other switch that we made. I know we talked about those commercial deals, but I'm except for uh, those deals we did in 2019, I haven't bought any commercial properties since 2015. It's commercial meaning a shopping center, office building, industrial. Right. It's been all you know five plus unit multifamily deals. Yeah. So I I like multifamily a lot. Where uh, and I've you know I've been, I've worked at uh, commercial property companies. I bought uh, different you know retail, industrial, office, multifamily. So I have a good lens to see this through. And I I really think and multifamily is the best um are you scared of like the other like the commercial like strip centers that sort of thing Is, are you worried about those markets it's not so much a worry it's just the returns are not as high as multifamily, and there's more risk so i just i think once as you kind of experience all like 
what's especially in the last 30 years uh we have this data we got from NACREF. it's a real estate trade group and they have an index for uh property returns by property type so the property type would mean like a retail property office industrial multifamily and we calculated that data based on every whole scenario you could have done reasonably like a three-year hold a five-year a 10-year seven-year and multifamily for all the time periods between 1990 and 2020 had the highest returns for every single possible uh, scenario and it had the lowest risk so least return volatility out of all the scenarios except for one so it has the highest returns and the lowest risk um the types of retail we were buying in, in industrial and whatnot i'm not really worried about where it's all small shop retail stuff you know we got two panera bread locations uh verizon wireless sleep number uh panda express like that kind of stuff op, you know i places and where we're it's not it's more need-based and not so much on the internet um where i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't really be feeling too hot if we had bought like a bunch of you know uh i was everything i think of is out of business let's say toys r us or this or that you know like you know like a the large box stuff like i'd stay away from that um but small shop retail and industrial i mean that stuff's still doing well it's just there's more risk on it and the returns aren't necessarily higher well, so we, to me like what's we what's don't have any and and we, we you know obviously you've got some good i guess anchor tenants in some of your buildings that are more specific and like you said not internet based and less fear of them going but you know we love multifamily. we're not experts in all the others we're uh we're, we're definitely uh uh sideline uh, uh, announcers on what we think of that stuff even though we're not experts on it and it scares the scares the dickens out of both of us uh, a lot of that a lot of those spaces do but multifamily, you know we we're lucky that we have a lot of it and we are big believers in it for the future for so many reasons i mean you covered many of them for the, the multifamily reasons, which are it's it's easier to uh, do value add. You can increase rents, and then which increases your holdings substantially. You can cash it out. You can uh, they're they're very liquid too. I mean, multifamily. There's buyers out there at, at what we consider to be insane cap rates um, for all of those things, and it's it's easier to do than I think the typical real estate investor that owns single family homes understands. You know, we, we've got this project going on. We kind of focus on tertiary markets like a Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, you know, down in Evansville, Indiana, these markets where the big boys aren't and we build and we're doing a project up in Fort Wayne area where we're, we're building 135 townhomes, but we're parceling them as duplexes, triplexes and quads so that our clients can own some multifamily and be a part of what you're, you know, what you're talking about without without having to, you know, partner with someone and find millions of dollars. And maybe they can use that to roll into, you know, being, um, you know, someone like you. But it sounds like you're also looking at opportunities to help clients now with what you're building. To, yeah, to invest passively in our deals right. where I don't have any, uh, we don't have any mentorship or advisory or uh, things set up where we're building like turnkey deals, um, like what you guys are talking about. Right. Uh, it's really more just if you wanted to invest in uh, real estate and you want to do no work where, because um, even if you were to buy a rental property and then hire a management company, you still need to manage the management company and you need to do all the work to buy the property and finance it. And right. you know, when your loan comes to refinance, you know, so there's still work involved. If you want to just be a completely passive hands-off investor, um, 
which, you know, in a funny way, that would be, you know, that's my goal someday. Even <laughs> I would like to, um, you know, build this company up big enough where the systems and everything are in place where, you know, you're just saying okay to the deal. And then, um, you know, that's so very, that we're a ways away from that, but where I'd like to be a passive investor as well. And so if you're, if that sounds like something you'd like to do, just invest in uh, deals of ours and multifamily. Um, and we, you know, in terms of what we are like cut of the deal, so to speak, it's just a percent of the profits when it exceeds a certain return. And so, uh, we, there is an acquisition fee that the, the deal pays, but it's, um, is this you know, all broken down people. on your website? Yeah. What's your website again? Brenneman.com. So B as in boy, R-E-N-E-M-A-N. And then, um, yeah, there's, you can learn everything about our company and the types of deals we buy in there and also sign up to be on our investor list with the hitting the invest now button and filling out your info. Um, yeah, it's very, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, uh, so we're, that's been lacking what you're offering. You know, we haven't seen as much of that as we thought we would. We saw a couple people, um, come out when we were on a speaking circuit, say a decade ago who did it wrong, who didn't know what they were doing, you know, and it's, it's neat to see that uh, someone like you with, you know, a past experience, you know, a 200, $200 million portfolio behind him, um, willing to share his expertise so that you can start maybe someday living the passive lifestyle. You said, like you, like you said, and, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, 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 sh I can't wait to look into it myself. If I, if I land on an extra 20 grand tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I'll sign up. I will, uh, yeah. I'll be checking it out. And regrettably, I could sit here and talk to you forever, Drew, but we have come to the end of our time. And I, but I do want to, uh, make sure that everybody can find you. Um, so you, we said Brenneman.com. Uh, can you also explain about any other points of contact in your podcast as well? Yeah, I think the only other thing uh, with Brenneman.com worth noting is we have a passive investing guidebook you can download in the download section. So that would that is it's a hundred page PDF where it breaks down uh, really everything you need to know about real estate investing and passive investing in in real estate. So that's a good place to start, and that's you know it's free; it doesn't cost anything. Um, and then and then yeah, the Brenneman Blueprint. That's my podcast. You can find that really anywhere. Uh, there's that there's podcast plus it's on YouTube where we do it in video. So that's everything. I'm on social media too, at Drew Brenneman, most everywhere, but probably most active on Twitter. So, so far my Instagram is mostly me going to like my friend's weddings and playing with my five-year-old. So um, <laughs> that's important too. That yeah, stuff is so actually more important, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I've got four and six-year-old girls. So like I'm right in the, I'm right in the thick of things. Yes, and, you are. Uh, getting ready yeah. to, uh, to uh, get up from here. I've got softball. Heck yeah, you softball nice. game tonight. Yeah. So, well, Drew, nice. thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll be following you. Uh, please uh, do the same for us. We're going to be uh, checking out your deals. And I, like I said, I got on your website. I think it's amazing. I think our listeners can really learn something. They should go to your website, check it out and see how someone could literally start from buying a duplex in their college town to now having $200 million of assets. So we thank you very much. Love it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So that's our show. If you've made it this far, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to grow our podcast and reach as many people as we can to help them understand the world of real estate investing. You can also find some short-form content on TikTok. Our TikTok is at the Homeboys Podcast, where you can learn even more about the power of real estate. And if you want a more detailed breakdown of this episode and others, go to homeboyspodcast.com. 
Under the podcast tab, we have a blog post with every single episode. Till next time, homies. Thank you and happy investing.